With Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our online banking and mobile app are like having a branch right at your fingertips with everything you need to use and manage your accounts 24-7. Check us out at NotreDameFCU.com, insured by NCUA. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop who's back from World Youth Day. Welcome back. On a scale of, if you had to rank all of your World Youth Days that you've been to, where does this one fall? Oh my heavens. I'd probably put it at number two. Okay. Which one's number one? Krakow. Ah, because of all the JP2 stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I just love Krakow. Okay. So much to see. I mean, there was, you know, all the sites of Pope John Paul II, Divine Mercy, Our Lady of Chestahova. Yeah, I just loved Krakow. Okay. But this one comes in second. I think so. I mean, I loved all of them. All of them were good. Uh-huh. But I'll be honest, I love Southern Europe. My favorite countries in the world are Italy, Greece, Spain, and Portugal. Okay. So I love the cultures. I love the climate, the food, everything, the the Catholicity. Uh-huh. So I think as soon as I got there, even though I don't know Portuguese, yeah, I, I just loved it. Yeah. I feel like... What you mentioned there, Italy, Spain, Greece, like I feel like we see those a lot in media and like they've got stereotypes and, and like hot spots that you hear about and stuff. I don't feel like I hear about Portugal very often. Yeah. Portugal is kind of on the edge because it's more on the, it's on the Atlantic. It's not really Mediterranean. Yeah. I don't know if the bottom of Portugal touches on the Mediterranean. It must. I have to, do you have a map? Well, I can a pull globe. it up here. <laughs> I I mean, because Gibraltar is from Spain, you know, comes off of Spain. So maybe Portugal is all Atlantic now that I think about it. Yeah, it looks like it. But I could kind of count it as Mediterranean. I mean, mean, it's the Iberian Peninsula, but Spain is the one that borders the Mediterranean south, but and on the east. Yeah, because Gibraltar is where, uh, yeah, what do you call that part below? Yeah, that's the Atlantic. Yeah, that wouldn't be the Mediterranean. So anyhow, I shouldn't call it a Mediterranean country. But <laughs> I should have known that. Um, but European. it has that same Southern European sure. culture. And I think that's why I liked it. But I like Spain. You know, Spain would probably be a close third. I'm probably ranking Portugal above Spain just because of the, perhaps the itinerary that we had, although I love the itinerary. We started in Lourdes when we went to Madrid for World Youth Day. And this time we started in Fatima. Mm-hmm. They both were, they'd be close, two okay. and three, they'd be close. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But Lisbon was a much more beautiful city than I remembered. Because mm. I was only there briefly when I was a deacon on my way to my deacon assignment in Salamanca. I took a train. I might have said this at a previous episode. I, I After I was a deacon, some friends and I went from, did a pilgrimage to Lourdes and Fatima. Then I served as a deacon in Salamanca, Spain. But we had like two weeks off between classes and when I had to start uh-huh. in Salamanca. So, so I had been to Fatima and Lisbon only once, but I had very little recolle- recollection of it. And I just did not remember how beautiful a city Lisbon is. So I think I was very pleasantly surprised. 
And there were a couple things that kind of I remembered when I got there. So they must have been in my brain somewhere. And one of them really struck me was, you know, St. Anthony of Padua was born. He was Portuguese. He was born in Lisbon. And St. Anthony, and they don't call him St. Anthony of Padua because he's Portuguese. He was born in Lisbon. They call him St. Anthony of Lisbon. So they don't like when we call him oh. St. Anthony of Padua. Which Padua is where he is did in Italy. his ministry? It's where he died. Where he died, okay. Yeah. But he was, a Fran- you know, he was a Franciscan and he probably, you know, was pretty itinerant. But okay. he did spend time in Padua. Anyhow, they have a church built on the site of where he was born. And so you can go down and they have like the area where his house was and where he was born. I did not remember that until I got there. Hmm. I remembered praying there. So we're talking 41 years. So no, Nate, that would be, yeah, 41 years ago. So 1982. So that immediately came back to me. When I saw that, that memory was in my mind, but I, it didn't, my memory wasn't triggered until I was there Uh seeing it again. I just remembered that. I didn't remember the the church itself. I just remembered that spot, which is a little off from the church down below. So, so that was interesting. Fatima, I mean, I guess I could go in order. As I, I arrived four days before our 270 pilgrims from our diocese because I wanted to spend some time in Fatima and also a family that I'm close to from Madrid was coming to visit me in Fatima. Mm -hmm. And so being there and just kind of resting and having time for prayer and everything before all the pilgrims, before World Youth Day itself began was, was really a great preparation. Already though, there were young pilgrims starting in Fatima because others had the idea of going early too, but it wasn't like huge crowds, you know, there were maybe a couple of thousand, but not like you know, tens of thousands. That only happened, you know, once World Youth Day began, hundreds of thousands. But going back to the sanctuary of Fatima, it had really changed. I remember the Chapel of the Apparitions and the Basilica of the Most Holy Rosary, which has the tombs of Saints Francisco and Jacinta. Of course, what's new is Sister Lucia is now buried there Mm. as well, next to Jacinta. Another thing that was very new was on the opposite side of the huge piazza, on the opposite side from the Basilica of the Holy Rosary, is a new church that seats like, I don't know, 13, 15,000 people, kind of modern architecture called the Church of the Most Holy Trinity. That was not built when I was there before. Uh-huh. So I had not seen that. And I had a lot more time to spend this time. So, and I stayed with the sisters, I think I spoke about at a, uh, another one of our podcasts, a, a group of sisters that their, their charism is to promote the message of Fatima. And one of the superior of the community, a sister Angela de Fatima Coelho, and she has spoken here in our diocese a few times. She's, she was the postulator for the causes of Saints Jacinta and Francisco. 
and she's the vice postulator for the cause of Sister Lucia. So she's the superior of this congregation called the Alianza de Santa Maria, which is, uh, in English, it would be like Alliance of Holy Mary. And she's the vice postulator for the cause of Sister Lucia. So she knows the three shepherd children through and through because in that position she read, had to read and study everything. And she lives in Fatima and they hosted me. So I had mass every morning for the sisters. And it was only like a 10, 12 minute walk from the convent to the sanctuary. I just loved every day. I would go down there early in the morning, like six o'clock to the sanctuary before many pilgrims. So I could be there at the chapel of the apparitions in quiet and prayer. And then I'd be back up to the convent in time for mass at 8.30 a.m. every day. Uh-huh. And then I'd have breakfast with the sisters. So those were four marvelous days. I also learned so much more. They were beautiful sisters. I mean, they were joyful and a lot of fun. And the sister, one of the sisters took me to, and my friends from Madrid, to the where the children live, their homes. Of uh-huh. course, Jacinta and Francisco were sister and brother. So their home, the Marto, Marto household, and the same home is still standing, and also to Sister Lucia's family home. Mm. And it was on the grounds near where they, their homes were that the three apparitions of the angel of Fatima, took, or the angel of peace, mm-hmm appeared to the children before Our Lady appeared to them. And one of the appearances of Our Lady took place also near their homes, not at the site where the Chapel of the Apparitions is, which happened always on the 13th of the month. On the 13th of August, they were in jail. So it was only when they were released from jail and they were back home a couple days later that Our Lady appeared to them there. So I saw that site as well. So that was great to just see the places where the children lived, where they were born, where just um, where Francisco died. Um, Jacinta died in Lisbon in a hospital, but Francisco's the bed where he died is, is there in their home. And just spending time reflecting on on their uh, and what helped me enter into the kind of like the experience of these shepherd children was was Sister Angela's book called Inside the Light, which really helped me tremendously to appreciate more the holiness of these children and how their experience of of God through the angel and through the Blessed Mother impacted their life in such an amazingly beautiful way. So that very much stayed with me. And one of the days with my friends, the family from Madrid, we went to Nazare, which is on the coast. And there's a shrine to Our Lady of Nazare during the iconoclast heresy back in the, I guess, the eighth century, you know, when they were destroying icons and statues and everything, they were saying no images. And that heresy during that time they snuck a, a, an image of Mary with the child Jesus, Mary feeding the child Jesus, nursing him from her breast. They were able to 
rescue this image out of Nazareth and bring it to Portugal. Mm. That's why this town is called Nazare, Nazareth. Okay. And they have that image in the church, which is up high on like a cliff. And down below is the, is the ocean and the beach. So you have a town kind of split. Part of it's up on the mountain and part of it's down near the beach. Huh. So we spent time there and I, I loved going to that church. And it was the next day when our youth from the diocese arrived. They arrived in Fatima on July 30th. They had arrived by plane from the United States on the 29th in the, in the, to the city of Porto, the airport in Porto. A few were, arrived in Lisbon, but most arrived in Porto. So they all, we all met on Sunday the 30th in, of July in Fatima, and I had mass in the convent for our group. And then Sister Angela de Fatima Cello gave a talk on this. That was fantastic. Hmm. And the kids loved it. Then our youth went and visited the sanctuary and the homes of the children. And, and then at the end of the day, traveled to Lisbon. And that was, and then the next day, the 31st, World Youth Day did not start until August 1st. So we had a day to do some more pilgrim stuff. So on July 31st, which is the feast of St. Ignatius Loyola, we went to the town of Santarém. Santarém is famous because of a Eucharistic miracle that took place there. And we had mass in the church, which is on the site where this miracle took place. The original church, most of it was destroyed in an earthquake in the 1700s, but some of it remained. But the actual monstrance with the flesh and blood because that's what happened. The host turned into human flesh and exuded blood. That is in the monstrance that's above the high altar where I was celebrating mass. Hmm. So that was very special because we're in the midst of the National Eucharistic Revival that we went to Santarem. And then we visited two very historic, beautiful, huge monasteries, again, from centuries ago. One was in Batalha and one was in Acobasa. So that was kind of a day, kind of a spiritual day to visit Santarem, the Eucharistic miracle, and then these two monasteries. So we did all that. By, all this is within like an hour away from Lisbon, so okay. it wasn't too far. And it's interesting, the climate there is very, it does get very warm. It gets like in the 70s, 80s in the afternoon, mm -hmm. but then the temperature goes down to the 60s at night. Uh -huh. So it's beautiful. Now it got, by the end of World Youth Day though, temperatures were up to a hundred. Oh wow. So it got very hot on the, the last <laughs> weekend. But it was on the um, Tuesday the 1st that there was the opening mass in the early evening. Now the Pope had not yet arrived and World Youth Day always begins on the Tuesday and it's celebrated usually by the local archbishop before the Pope arrives. So the Archbishop of Lisbon, who is actually a patriarch, the Archbishop of Lisbon has the honor of being a patriarch. I don't remember why, but he is a patriarch. So uh, not something with the Eastern? No, no, he's a okay. Western okay. Latin Archbishop. Now I should have researched why he has that. I think it was some connection between the Archbishop of Lisbon and the Pope or something that they got this honor. Okay. But... 
since the World Youth Day didn't begin until that opening mass, we did have that day free. There's a castle kind of in the city up. It's a city that's with hills, kind of like Rome, but taller hills. So it's a lot of up and down. Hmm. You know, I was exercising muscles I in you know that I don't usually exercise like in my calves but I went up uh, to the castle overlooking the city and it's called St. George's Castle so it was great to kind of get that view early in the morning and then I went to the Lisbon Cathedral well by that time all these hundreds of thousands are arriving yeah and the crowd just getting into the cathedral and I wanted to do, and the cathedral's right next to St. Anthony's Church, the birthplace of St. Anthony of Padua, or St. Anthony of Lisbon. But the crowds were so dense that it was very uncomfortable going through the cathedral, trying to see things, but it's just like you're, it's just so crowded. But it was very, I love the history and the art, and the churches in Lisbon are beautiful. And going through the cathedral was great. But it was so crowded that there was a crowd just waiting to go and say anything. So I said, I can't bear this again. Can, so I came back like a few days later. Can you like hold your cross out and like a, like it's a Doesn't backstage help. pass? I'm a no, bishop. There's other bishops too. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyhow, that was a good way. And then we gathered. There are several like large parks in the city. And it's the King Edward, no, I forget, King Edward Seventh, I think. Park is where a lot of the World Youth Day events during the week took place, mm. the big events, until the final weekend when we go out to a larger field. So at this Edward VII Park was the opening mass, and the Bishop's Hotel, our hotel, was not that far from the park. So that was a little bit, that was convenient. But it was a beautiful liturgy. The choir and the music for all of the liturgies was fantastic. Mm. Um, and just the joy, World Youth Day is just filled with joyful exuberance, I mm -hmm. would say. Were and the choirs local or do they bring people from all over for that? It'd be all Portuguese, I think. Okay. Yeah, all Portuguese. But I don't know if they're all from Lisbon. I mm -hmm. probably was beyond, but several hundred members and all okay. kinds of instruments and Liturgies were beautifully celebrated. And so that was the opening on August 1st. And then for the next three days, the second, third, and fourth, the mornings were spent in what we used to call catechetical sessions, mm -hmm. but now they're called, for this World Youth Day, they were called Rise Up Sessions. Okay. And that comes from the theme of World Youth Day, how Mary arose and went. Mm to visit her cousin Elizabeth. She had received Christ in her womb, and the first thing she did was to go out to serve. She arose and went with haste. Mm. That was the theme. Mm -hmm. So that's why the sessions are called Rise Up, but they were very different from prior World Youth Days. Prior World Youth Days, bishops are asked, and I some bishops, to do catechetical sessions, to speak for like an hour and there'd be time for prayer, time for questions and answers, then mass. But this is different. They wanted the, it to be that the youth are more involved in it. So each of the Rise Up sessions had an animation team of young people themselves. Mm -hmm. And they would be in charge of the music and prayer. And also to begin, not with the bishop giving a catechetical session, but with the young people themselves 
sharing about their faith, they'd be given certain questions, a theme for the day, and a scripture passage, and the young people themselves would kind of lead it rather than the bishop. And only after all that does the bishop get up and share his thoughts and his reflections. He summarizes what he heard the young people saying, and then he gives his reflections. Then it all ends with mass, and the bishop preaches, of course, the homily at the mass. So I was a leader, the bishop, leading bishop at two of the three Rise Up sessions on Thursday and Friday. So Wednesday, I didn't have a Rise Up session, so I met our pilgrims at their Rise Up session, Mm -hmm. which was in the church of Our Lady of the Incarnation, beautiful church, and there was a bishop from... Africa, oh my goodness, I think Burundi, who was the leading bishop, and our own diocesan leaders were the animation team. Oh, okay. And they did a great job, and I celebrated the Mass with the bishop who was the leading bishop there. So that was on, on August 2nd, and after that I went back to St. Anthony Church because I thought it was still crowded, but not as bad as before, uh. so that's, I was able to get that. That evening... Okay, Wednesday evening, all the U.S. pilgrims gathered, which were about 26,000 young pilgrims from the United States at another one of the parks. And it was a national gathering in which there were few speakers, young people, and Bishop Robert Barron Mm -hmm. gave a, a great speech. And then there was a Eucharistic procession through the park and Eucharistic adoration that was so beautiful. It was like two hours in the evening. It was 7 to 9 p.m. on August 2nd. The next day, then, I was leading bishop for a rise-up session at a church that wasn't very far from where the bishop's hotel was called St. Joseph of the Annunciation. And then I also celebrated Mass with the group. And and the group that that participated in the rise-up session, it was in English, was all were, were from the United States, especially Texas, most of them were from Texas and mm. Canada and a few others, but that was the majority. And it was really good. It was a good animation team. I felt very comfortable. They had small group part of it and I was participating, just being so edified by these young adults talking about their relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. and answering the questions. The theme of our day was social friendship and fraternal, universal fraternity. Kind of looking at some of the themes of Pope Francis's teaching and pontificate. The next day, I was scheduled to do a Spanish Rise Up session. Right. And they transported me to the place. And what happened was they were all French. (laughs) Can you believe it? There was some mix up. No Spanish were there. They were French. Well, Uh I didn't know French. Yeah. And it was very confusing. Like, how did this happen? So I had no idea what to do. I couldn't. So you've got something prepared in Spanish. I had something prepared in Spanish, uh-huh. and I didn't. I don't know French, so I couldn't really interact. So anyhow, the Portuguese guy, who young adult, who picked me up to take me there. You know, after we were figuring out, well, you're free, Bishop. Basically, yeah. it's not going to happen. He said, but I live in the neighborhood. I'll, let me give you a little tour. 
Oh, nice. So he took me and have some Portuguese. I love the Portuguese coffee. It's kind of like the Italian espresso. And, but they have this, this wonderful dessert in Lisbon called Pastel de Nata. They're like little custard pies that are delicious. Uh-huh. So he said, this is like the best nata. They also, Pastel de Nata. So we had that. Then he took me to um, another one of these, top of the, one of these hills in, in Lisbon called Monte Sacro. Holy Mountain had another great view of the city. And there's a little church that had the tomb of St. Genesius, an early bishop of Lisbon, who was martyred during the persecution under Emperor Diocletian. So we're talking 303 AD. Uh I didn't even know that was there. So he took me up there. I got to pray there. And... We got to know each other. His English was really good. And amazingly, we hit it off very well. He had been, he's a doctoral student in physics at a university in Lisbon, but was at Notre Dame this past June because part of his research involves something that Notre Dame has in their physics labs. They have this, what do they call these accelerators or something? I don't know. Oh, yeah. 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 I don't know much about this. And he had, so when he saw his Bishop of Fort Wayne, South Bend, I mean, what a small world. And he's hoping to come back in a year. And I said, well, I'll return the hospitality if you come back. Cause he's working on whatever it is on his doctorate and Notre Dame has this machine. So, so how's that as a coincidence? There you go. You yeah. know, of every, anyone to get assigned to be right. my guide. So after that, there was, uh, oh, I forgot to mention the Pope arrived. I, I don't know how I missed this. <laughs> The Pope arrived that day before on August 3rd, and there was a big welcoming ceremony for him in the same park where we had the opening mass. But on August 4th, this day that I was with the French and then did this tour, there was the Way of the Cross late afternoon, early evening with Pope Francis in this big park again, Edward VII Park. And they go through it every World Youth Day on Friday, and this would be Friday, they have the uh, way of the cross, but they're always different as far as how they do the meditations. There's usually art and music and everything involved. And this was a very creative approach. I don't know if you got to watch any of it on TV, but um, it's hard to kind of explain, but um, there was dance involved, there was art involved, music and at, with each of the 14 stations and some testimonies of young people as well. Mm-hmm. Well, one of our own young adult pilgrims was chosen to give one of the testimonies from our diocese. Did they know this in advance? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Caleb Perkins. Do you know Caleb? I don't. He's a musician, a convert. He had been an evangelical Protestant. It was the Eucharist that brought him and his wife, Natalie, into the Catholic Church. And they now have a ministry in our our diocese, a music ministry called Shema Culture. Oh, By yeah. the way, you should have him on as a podcast to give his story, his conversion story. Okay. But he had a rough life and really experienced conversion, not only to the Catholic faith, but even before that, a conversion to Jesus in his evangelical background mm-hmm. because he had a rough life before that. So he was able to give his testimony in front of the Pope and the million young people who were there. 
And it was beautiful. I was very proud of him. It was powerful testimony. I'm trying to remember which station it was. I want to say it might have been the station where Jesus falls the third time, but I'm not positive. But I was really just so proud of him. And I was with the other bishops said, he's from my diocese. (laughs) (laughs) So the way of the cross, um, okay, that was Friday. Now the next day, Saturday, August 5th, I had a mass with our diocesan group again because the other days during the rise up sessions, I wasn't with our diocese, except the first day when I was free. I had mass with the other groups, but but a, a hotel, I mean, a church closer to their hotel, St. John of God Church, which was probably about an hour walk for me to get to. And uh, so that was the morning after which they would walk to the site for the vigil and the mass closing World Youth Day. And I went back to the Bishop's Hotel because they they take us by bus and we have to go through security and all that separately. But it was good that I had could have this final mass with our diocesan pilgrims. And then we had a photo outside after the mass and got a chance to talk to a lot of them. And they were just loving the whole experience. Mm. And that evening, of course, was the vigil with the Holy Father at this huge park on the outskirts of Lisbon with Eucharistic adoration. Again, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of music. Of course, the numbers of people, it's over a million by then. And by the mass, the next day, it was a million and a half. And the mass, the closing mass was August 6th, which was the Feast of the Transfiguration. So that was on Sunday at this big park. And that was pretty much the the end. So it was a very powerful week. I just am always inspired to see so many young people excited mm-hmm. about their faith and wanting to draw closer to Christ. Mary was a very big part of the whole World Youth Day because of Fatima. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Holy Father visited Fatima while he was there and how she accompanies us on our pilgrimage, you know, pilgrimage to heaven and mm-hmm. pilgrimage with Jesus. And yeah, it was um, a great World Youth Day. Yeah. And the next one, I think you you had a, an inkling of where it was going to be. And yeah. Did I say that on the last program? I don't know if you said it on the program or afterwards. if it was afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was what I had heard. The rumor was true. Seoul, South Korea. Yeah. In four years, not in three, in four okay. years. The Pope, when he announced it, said that he's inviting all the young people to come to Rome in two years for the holy year. 2025 huh. is a special holy year every 25 years in Rome. Okay. So the next World Youth Day will not be until 2027 in South Korea, Seoul, South Korea. And the Pope always announces this at the end of mass. And then some, they have it planned, the the South Korean bishops come out and a group of South Korean pilgrims, young people come out and they Uh carry the flag and they cheer. And this will be the first time in many years since it's been in Asia. Uh It was only in Asia once before in Manila. And that was the largest World Youth Day ever. Yeah. I forget how many millions. I think I read somewhere that that was probably the largest gathering of human beings. Right. I ever. remember I remember seeing that as well. Yes. It's an incredible yeah. number. I forget. Was it five or six million or something like that? So it's good that Asia 
will be, I mean, you have to have a city that, you know, to accommodate all these people, you have to have the infrastructure. And that's why yeah. I feel kind of sad it hasn't been in Africa. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a city that could handle, right? that could handle that, inf- that kind of influx of those kind of numbers. But Asia, you know, the last time was in Manila, now in Seoul, now it'll be in Seoul. Yeah. Yeah. So will you take a group? I hope so. Yeah. God willing. And, you know, I, I'm getting older, but we'll see how my, <laughs> how my legs will be. <laughs> I think you should, you should go. Cause will anyone in your family, will Sebastian be old enough? He'll be no. in four years. He'll be, he's 13. So. Oh yeah, he will so, be. Okay. Tell him when you go home. Start saving. That, that Bishop is inviting him to go to Seoul, South okay. Korea in 2027. We'll get his passport ready. <laughs> you could be a chaperone. Yeah. That'd be fun. So all that walking, were you pretty sore at the end of the no, day? No, I wasn't. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting. I did a lot of walking. I think I get blisters easily on my toes. And I think they kind of happened a bit in Fatima. But my time in Lisbon... I think it was from all the walking that I had done in Rome in June when I was there for the National Eucharistic Congress audience with the Pope. Uh-huh. I think it's hardened my feet, which is okay. good because I've been probably not getting enough exercise. But I think all this walking, it wasn't a problem for me. Yeah. It's a little hard when the, I would say the only challenging part was the hills uh-huh. in the city because when you have to go uphill. Yeah. You know, there were a couple of times I had to stop, but that wasn't so much for my feet. That was more to catch my breath. Yeah. So when you go to these different sites, do you take lots of pictures? Oh, I do. Do you? Yeah. I sure brought my phone. I could have showed you. I have to go through them and put them in an album. Oh, do you, you print them and? No, no. In oh. an album in my phone. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or however. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bet I, t- yeah, I have hundreds of photos. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Hundreds just kind of remembering when I look at them. Yeah. But they're in order by date. So I think I could kind of remember most yeah. of it. Yeah. So any of all those things, what would you say was the highlight or, or something that you'll remember for a long time or something that you you brought home with you as a memory or. I would say two things. One is praying in the chapel of the apparitions in Fatima hmm. in the early morning. That was very rich time of praying at that spot where Our Lady appeared to the children five mm-hmm. times and feeling real sense of peace at that praying early in the morning there and kind of a real connection to a Blessed Mother and to the shepherd children and praying for, also I was praying for a lot of intentions back home here in the diocese, my own family, so it wasn't, you know, I brought a lot of, inter, there was a lot of intercessory prayer. Mm-hmm. And of course the rose, Holy Rosary, which Our Lady asked for when mm-hmm. she appeared in Fatima. So I'd say that's one memory that really will stand out. And I'd say in Lisbon, there was something about the opening mass that touched me. I think it was partly the music where it was so beautiful, but the enthusiasm of the youth and their participation in that liturgy, now this was even before the Holy Father arrived. And mm-hmm. when the Holy Father was there, it was also very beautiful, but this was the first mm-hmm. of a series of the liturgies where I just felt like 
this is our church, that we are all these young people from, you know, 150 or more countries, all united in their love for Christ and love for his church and love for our blessed mother. I think emotionally that, that did, I felt that very strongly at the opening mass because it had been a while. I mean, the last world youth that I'd been to was, was the last one, which was in Fatima. And that was, I mean, oh. it was in uh, Panama. When was that four or five years ago? I can't remember. It was, it was probably four years ago. It was the year before COVID. So yeah, 2019. Yeah. But there were a lot of, you know, the other thing I would have to mention is all the personal encounters with bishops, not just from our country, but from other countries. And the hospitality and the welcome of the Portuguese people, like that young man who took me, you know, up to Monte Sacro and all that, the one mm-hmm. who had been a doctoral student. I mean, some of the young adults who are all volunteers, I mean, there were probably a few thousand young adult volunteers, Portuguese, and we had five or six at our hotel. So I got into a lot of conversations with them coming and going and kind of, you know, I don't know. I just, I think a lot of those personal conversations were very meaningful. Mm -hmm. And then our own young people and how they entered into the whole experience in a very wholehearted way. Mm -hmm. I was very impressed. And I really have to say our adult leaders and chaperones and especially our youth and young adult office ministry director, John Pratt and Jocelyn, they were tremendous and other diocesan staff and parish leader, youth leaders. I mean, they were excellent. And we had 25 of our priests come Hmm. and they accompanied our young people and heard confessions throughout. Hmm. I mean, tons of confessions. And yeah, I'd say the only, the only really harder part for our group was some of our uh, young people on the hike after the mass that I had on Saturday morning, that afternoon, the temperature had gotten up to a hundred. And as they're walking out to the site for the vigil, about 10 of them kind of got sick or some heat exhaustion. Yeah. So that was the only, thank God nothing became too serious. Mm -hmm. One or two might've, you know, there was possibility that they'd have to go to the hospital, but I think they were okay. They ended, well, I, I know that they end up being okay, but that was the only thing. The heat was yeah. really oppressive. And it reminded me of Madrid because it was the same experience in Madrid. What about Panama? That- Panama wasn't as bad. Yeah. I mean, it was hot too, but not like that. Huh. Not like a hundred degrees, no. All right. Well, thank you for sharing about that. And you're I guess welcome. People can put 2027 on their calendars. Yep. Are there dates scheduled for it? No, okay. not yet. Okay. Not yet. But I imagine it'll be in the summer. Okay. I have no idea what the temperatures are like in Seoul, South Korea in July or August. (laughs) (laughs) I I have no idea. Well, we'll see. All right. Thank you, Kyle. Well, thank you. Could we get your Episcopal blessing before we go? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. Obrigado.
That's thank you in Portuguese. Okay. Obrigado. Well, how do I say you're, you're welcome? Well, um, I, should, I should say thank you back. So I, you no, can no, say no. obrigado. Obrigado. Excellent. <laughs> Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's engineered by Josh Skipper at the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend, produced by Miriam Schmitz, and edited by Tony Marks for Spoke Street Media. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.